And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake it! Bake it! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both birds. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. I think for K-State, in order to be successful, you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Bake time. And welcome everybody into the Shake and Blake Show live here on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove as always. John, how we doing on this Friday evening? I'm doing good, man. I'm just ready for the weekend. I got my hands up and all that stuff. Let's get started. Let's you, are get you playing your song right and you know you're going to be okay? You're nodding your head like, yeah, you're moving your hips. Actually, I don't want to say any more because um, we might get sued by Miley Cyrus. So, oh, yeah, you better not. <laughs> oh man, if you for your first time listening to the Shake and Blake Show, this is a K State Sports podcast. Cover all things K State sports. We've been doing this for a year and a half um, on our Spotify app. Last year, we put out more sports content than ninety-one percent of other sports podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking for if you're looking for K State sports content, you are in the right place. We are live here every single Be Friday right. night. On Wildcat 91.9. But, John, we're also releasing episodes every Monday recapping K-State sporting events over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So make sure to check us out on there as well because we'll be releasing an episode on Monday recapping the Texas game that will happen tomorrow. But tonight we got a great show lined up. We're going to talk about the much-anticipated Big 12 Conference schedule release for the 2023 football season with four new teams um, we'll make we'll recap the Sunflower Showdown at Allen Fieldhouse. We'll talk standings, Big 12 Saturday slate, and the Cats in the latest bracketologies. We'll also recap women's basketball team's big win against a top 15 team. Uh, before we preview the Cats' big matchup with Texas in Bramlage Coliseum tomorrow. But before we get to that, John, make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785. Make sure to follow the podcast and leave a review. It's just ShakenBlake anywhere you get your podcast. Pretty good SEO. Should be easy to um, look up, and we'll again, we'll be releasing an episode on Monday recapping Texas. Um, so let's talk Big 12 football schedule, John. Mm-hmm. Um, much anticipated. They've been talking about it for a couple of months, but it was released this Tuesday, past Tuesday at 1 p.m. Um, in case you forgot, Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF will all be members of the Big 12 in the 2023 seasons for all those different sports. No divisions which is definitely a big plus for the Big 12. Absolutely. And in combination with the fact that news broke yesterday that OU and Texas were not able to negotiate a deal to leave the Big 12 after the 23-24 season means that their impending departure for the <clears throat> for the SEC will be delayed to their expected um, in the summer of 2025. Yep. So they've got two more years left, two John. Two more years. Um, so let's talk about what K-State's got on their plate. Let's do it. For the schedule. Before we kind of zoom out and get a big picture perspective for the entire Big 12. Um, we knew this before, but let's touch on the non-conference schedule real quick, John. I mean, South East Missouri State. Um, you've mentioned the, the curse of FCS teams after we win a Big 12 championship, you know, with 2003 <laughs> and 20. 20 or you know to uh 2004 losing and then 2013 obviously so we want to break that streak against southeast missouri state but you've got troy who finished 19th in the final ap poll this year and then you go to missouri 
Um, that's a tough schedule, and that's represented for the entire Big 12. There's some tough matchups for the Big 12 in the non-con. And the thing is, I don't think Missouri's the toughest team on the non-conference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they got the title as a Power 5 team, but Troy is really good. I mean, they have a fantastic football program down there um, that just won a Cure Bowl matchup over UTSA. But they, they won the sun, a, a raging hot Sun Belt Conference, a, a conference in which they always get the best of every Power 5 team. I mean, just ask our Arkansas State uh, back in 2020. But, I mean, this is going to be – this is no um, – this is no kickwalk for K-State. Troy is going to be a really tough matchup, and we've seen him in the past with Chris Kleiman's squads. They aren't able to fully compete, uh, fully, I don't know what whatever way to say it, just just comp- beat, beat up these group of five teams. I mean, we saw it with Tulane, uh, then Arkansas State, Navy in 2019. It's just been a little bit of a of – a, of a hump that, that K-State at times has just not been able to, to get over. Yeah, it's not been our strongest thing. I mean, we played Missouri and Tulane last year. We didn't know what the, Tulane would be. I think even if you consider yeah. hindsight being twenty twenty, how Tulane um, turned out, like we still played so terrible in that game. We still should have won. But we won the Big 12, so, you know, it's it's kind of, you yeah, know, yeah, it's a moot yeah. point at the end of the day. But we've got Troy and Missouri this season, and then the season after that we go to Tulane to play them again. So we'll see. And I believe we're playing Arizona. Arizona at home. Ooh, that'll Arizona. be. So yep. we're starting some with Arizona too. So that'll be a ton of fun. Yeah, we're definitely keeping things spicy in the non-conference. But so is the rest of the Big Twelve. John, how about you, I'm going to read you a couple of the other games that yeah. the that Big Twelve teams are playing in the non-con. First off, let I me mean, let's just get the big one out of the way. Texas at Bama. Mm-hmm. I mean, good lord. I mean, last Man. year's game was very close. We'll see how it is um, this coming season. You know, it'll be in Tuscaloosa. That's going to be a tough environment for Texas to play in. Iowa, Iowa State, obviously. Colorado TCU has a different flavor to it this it year. It really does. With Deion Sanders being the head coach. And is, is that week one, too? Yeah, week one in Fort Worth. And you get Deion Sanders and just a little more of a different roster from what we've seen from Colorado in the past. <laughs> he brought his, he brought now, his luggage yeah, he pretty with him. Yeah, he just pretty much brought his luggage. Luggage, and now he, he's he's gonna pack up some additional luggage luggage to go to Fort Worth to take on the defending national runner-ups in TCU. I think that's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Um, just looking at some of the other games, um, it keeps going. I mean, there's just... you got West Virginia playing at Penn State as well. Uh, I mean, not sure about the old situation with Neil Brown. It doesn't look like it's going to pan out well. But two two historic rivals, West Virginia and Penn State, and, and they're playing one. Pitt again this year, yeah, uh, next year Pitt, as well. Yeah, they're playing Pitt in Week Three. I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be a big game, a possible sold out in crowd in Morgantown. Uh, just thinking of some of the upper ones. I think Illinois plays at Kansas this year. Oh, man, Thad Ward's going back to Lawrence. <laughs> we, we can get back to that later. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a great slate of games. And we were about to get another great one with Oklahoma and Georgia, but with the SEC uh, kind of canning that game out, uh, Oklahoma's going to face SMU. So at times you hate to see it. But nonetheless, I mean, it's it's still a pretty exciting non-conference schedule. Just look, just looking up at uh, who, who each team plays, you got BYU playing Arkansas. Baylor's playing Utah as well in Waco. That is going to be a really fun matchup. Um, seeing seeing Cam Rising in Utah make the way make their way down to Waco. I think that's going to be a really good matchup as yeah, well. Yeah, they're the defending Pac-12 champs. Texas Tech taking on Oregon as well. It's, um, it's, Cincinnati's playing Pitt. I mean, it just well, keep- it's weird. Well, Texas Tech they're playing at Wyoming to start off the season <laughs> down in Lar- I mean, up in Laramie. 
that is that's so weird. Uh, but then, they, but then, right after that, they play their home opener against Oregon. It's just one of the weirdest schedule rotations I, I, I I've seen. Yeah, but it definitely it may it'll keep things interesting for the first three weeks of college football. But let's get to the part where you know we get to see what happens with these Big Twelve teams and some of these new Big Twelve teams that are in the picture. So here's a few takeaways. Obviously, you know, make sure to look up the schedule for yourself. You've probably already seen it already. We don't want to go just list game by game here. So here are a few takeaways. First of all, we're not playing Oklahoma, which is a shame. Um, they got away from us this year, John. But well, I think we'll you know we'll play them the year after that in their final season, um, and it'll be it'll be in Manhattan. I, I'm guessing they're keeping it, that alternating. Yeah, I mean it's possible. It, it, the game is will will remain in Manhattan. We'll kind of see how things shuffle. I mean you don't have West Virginia on the schedule either. So two of your annual like two of the annual round robin teams are ticking off. Uh, and next thing you know, you replace them with UCF and Houston. Both of those two teams uh, will play in Manhattan yeah. as well. And then you open Big 12 play at home for the first time. I think this was on a, a K-State Sports trivia question, but like since like 20, 2017. Yeah, 2017, yep. which is just unbelievable. I don't know how that happens. But we play against the new opponent, UCF. We'll welcome them into mm-hmm. Manhattan-ness. Um, and Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but yeah, you want to talk about just kind of how weird it is? Because, I mean, because it's on September 23rd, and not not many too, not too many people know this, but back in 2010, the two teams played on September 25th in Manhattan, and I think you guys may recall um, just the Mother Nature's outing, uh, just coming out with the big wall cloud that that was over the uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium and all that. You you you, you recall that a little bit? I don't remember it. Here, I'll, here, I'll pull it up real quick. But you can keep on. Ro- ro- yeah, I mean, I, I know you sh- you showed me a picture. Um, you know, I'm like two hours south. I don't have a memory of it being related to football. I'm sure it affected all of Kansas, but I mean, I was I was nine. Um, a couple other things. Uh, I mean, we end the season uh, our last two games at KU, Iowa State at home. I think it's always great to you know end the season have senior night on the last game of the season absolutely especially against iowa state that's going to make things a ton of fun uh we play oklahoma state on a friday night um yeah i've seen that picture before just the the cloud and i don't know it looks like a ocean wave that's just about Mm -hmm. to land on top of bill snyder family stadium absolutely crazy but we play oklahoma state on a friday night um there was some talk on twitter about the last time we played it on friday I i forgot that we played it on friday in 2021 I think Scott Wildcat was talking about that. I know we played North Dakota State on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, I think Stanford. I heard Stanford 2016. Yeah, Stanford in 2016. That's another one. Auburn. No, I was on a Thursday. That was on a Thursday. Okay, I was like a non-Saturday game. But, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. It is coming off of a bye week, which is kind of nice. So we're not, you know, we still get that full two weeks almost instead of having to go from Saturday to Friday. And at the same time, you're going to get an extra day to rest yourself after that Oklahoma State game in preparation to uh, play play on the road against a what should be a much better Texas Tech team as well. But um, I'm... from based on that Friday game, it's kind of a big loss for Oklahoma State from a recruiting perspective because all, all those guys and maybe some Kansas guys as well down in the Wichita area, they're all going to be pl- they're all going to be playing on Friday nights as well. And Oklahoma State, I mean, that's a pretty big opportunity when you have a defending Big Twelve champions head down to your place to to. Uh, I mean, that's a great way to uh, really pull out some recruiting, like get some visitors into town, but 
does just doesn't look like that's going to happen. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, somebody who's the defending Big Twelve champs, you're not going to be opportunity to get your some of your best recruits there to watch that game, get a feel for the environment because they're obviously playing on Friday nights. So that definitely has an impact. Um, looking through the rest of the schedule, um, we play two new teams, UCF and Houston. Both of them are at home, so K-State fans aren't going to have any mm-hmm. new – we're not going to have the luxury of visiting beautiful Orlando, Florida. Um, that's slightly sarcastic. Um, go ahead, John. Well, okay, well, first of all, Orlando is nothing but a, a, a little secret trash town with Disney, <laughs> just being the highlight. Universal Studios as well. Uh, I digress. Um First ever matchup against Houston as well. I I I recall I don't recall those two teams ever playing in football. Um, and just another thing to point out with the schedule, the furthest K State's traveling is to Lubbock, Texas. I mean, you, you want to talk about like all the new teams coming here? K State doesn't have to go to Orlando. They don't have to go to Cincinnati. They don't have to go to Provo, Utah. Um, I mean, it's it, I mean it's pretty much in the in all the zones that, in which it, all the fans can travel as well, and it's. I mean, I mean, it's the same road games as well. So, yeah, definitely will be interesting. Now, I mean, just kind of looking at the schedule as a whole, you know, TCU and Texas are obviously fairly um, scary. Um, you mentioned a much improved Texas Tech, but um, besides those two, I mean, I think you know, given how many offensive linemen are coming back, I understand nationally people doubting us because you see we lose Deuce Vaughn and Felix and UDK Uzama and you just go off oh, well I mean you know what, what are they well, going to do gonna, well, we're going to write them off little, the little do they know about a, a little guy named DJ Giddens who's he's, who's, who's this Trayshawn Ward guy yeah never heard of oh, him he comes from Florida State oh okay that's cool I mean we'll see how he does and it's just stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and Will Howard. I mean, <laughs> Will Howard. <laughs> man, man. You see the way he got drugged up and down against Bama? Yeah, oh, that ain't man. happening. That ain't happening this year. So I mean, I he's think gonna, he's going to show up. I think, I mean, overall, I think our chances, you know, we're not going to do a full preview here, but I mean, I think our schedule sets us up to be able to run it back Absolutely. quite nicely. Um, I agree. It'll be great to have 14 teams in the Big 12 for two years. Um, it'll be nice to be, you know, in two years to be the Big 12 and actually have 12 teams mm-hmm. um, instead of being like, you know, the inverse of the Big 10, which is very weird. Um, but a lot of people have been talking about Oklahoma's schedule and kind of how they <laughs> they end it where you're, you know, you're at in the middle of November. You go to Provo to play Utah and then you end your season against, you know, the um national champion runner ups in TCU. Just kind of, you know, a nice way to a subtle little. Of screw over of Oklahoma just a little bit. I'll give you this perspective as well. Oklahoma is playing five out of twelve teams who were originally from the Conference USA: SMU, (laughs) at Tulsa, Cincinnati. They used to be in the Conference USA. UCF and TCU. I mean, I mean that that just that's just a popcorn. That's just a popcorn grabbing attention type of schedule. For, for a blue blood that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's playing three out of the four uh, new Big 12 teams, Cincy, UCF, and BYU. They're not playing Houston. They're, pl- they're playing at Cincinnati yeah. and at BYU. That's just that's just going to crush them like, from just lying and traveling all that stuff. But, I mean, you know they dodged a bullet by not playing K-State. And, yeah. and Oklahoma fans have admitted it on Twitter. They've and- been rejoicing <laughs> on Twitter. Like, it's it's like they're celebrating a national championship and all that. It's just 
It's no, I don't even know what. Have you? It's I haven't. I don't recall the movie, but it's this guy that comes out. I believe a prison cell. He's like, I'm free. He's he's doing it in the rain as well, and I I don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no clue what you're talking about. But maybe I just I don't it, watch it a lot was, of movies, it was, it so it could a, be my bad. It was from a. Jeez, I don't remember what it's called, but man, Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, Oklahoma dodged a bullet this year. Uh, hopefully, oh, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards it a little bit, but I'm hoping uh, that the Big 12 kind of scripts itself to have a K-State-Oklahoma Big 12 championship game because I think Ooh, that would be awesome. Oklahoma needs a little bit of a spanking. Yeah, and how about Texas? Because they're obviously going to be up there. They're going to be high in FPI. You know, oh, Quinn Ewers is coming back. You know, Sark in his third year. Like, you know, Texas is bound for a Big 12 championship. I mean, their end of the year, John, you know, K-State, TCU, Iowa State, and then Texas Tech – that's I mean T- or TCU on the road. I mean that's kind of a tough way to end the season, John. And I mean, are they making the Big Twelve championship? No, they're Texas. They're definitely going to you know um, be a disappointment. Like they they have, they have been for the past like thirteen years. They have like ten out of their twelve starters on offense returning. But you're right. I mean they're just going to underperform uh, and ju- just getting to the point which all of us are going to point and laugh. But I mean yeah, I'm looking. I I wasn't. I haven't fully paid attention to this. Uh, schedule as well uh, for the Texas schedule as well but that is a tough stretch and I mean you got K-State at TCU and Fort Worth I mean at least you're getting Texas Tech at home as well to, to cap off a year potential Big 12 title implications another funny thing to point out is that Texas is playing at Houston this year <laughs> and everybody who has been like dressing like when Houston officially joined the Big 12 is like all right if Texas is gonna spend one more two more years here I mean, they have to travel to Houston. There's no doubt about it. They got to have that match of old Southwest Conference rivals and all that stuff. Uh, and the Big 12 delivered on that front. Yeah, so it's going to be really great. I mean, it was. It's. I'm so glad that the schedule is finally out. You know, the people can finally, you know, get their season tickets if they want, and we get to see what the, um, you know, the Big 12, who's been, it's been one of the most entertaining conferences. Um, the past few years with how the Big mm-hmm. 12 championships have been and just the general depth of the conference. You know, having eight teams uh, make a bowl game last year, um, it's it's one of the deepest conferences in college football. And now we can have a smack talk and begin. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, UCF, Twitter. I, I, I mean, Colby and I were, were talking about this last night, but, I mean, UCF, Twitter, uh, I mean, they just tried picking up a fight with all the Big 12 <laughs> fan bases, and particularly Iowa State. Uh, I think Sideline UCF came up with this tweet just completely hosing Iowa State. Like, the last time they won a conference championship was when the Titanic sunk. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Cyclone Larry just eventually went oh my. on him. So it's it's some really funny stuff. But. Yeah, we're we're welcoming the new teams in the only way we know how by just absolute Twitter warfare. Uh, but, well, no. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU fans are saying, nah, I mean, we're happy to be here." UCF <laughs> is like, "Okay, we, just- we know we know as a Twitter fan base that if we are able to take out." Any other Big 12 fan base that we can establish ourselves as the ultimate Twitter mafia of all Big 12 Twitter mafias. And the first fan base they go after for no reason at all is Iowa State, which is funny as well, is because they're, they're not even playing each other this year as well. So, I mean, yeah, that's so unfortunate. It's, it's Florida man stuff. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. So, it's going to be really exciting come fall 2023 to see this new Big 12 in action. John, but let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap the sunflower showdown talk some big 12 standings saturday slate for the big 12 some bracketology 
and we will preview the Texas game tomorrow as well on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove live here on Wildcat 91.9. Let's talk Sunflower Showdown. John went down on Tuesday night. 16,300 people were apparently 18. I heard from Parker, uh, who hosted the show on Tuesday with Sophie, uh, that eight, like 18,000 people were trying to get in. But yeah, I mean, some, of, pe- some of them had to move over to the volleyball arena to watch their game. Yeah, and it was absolutely crammed. I mean, he was telling me that they were just like shoulder to shoulder, just totally just, you know, uncomfortable the entire game. Uh, but let's talk basketball because obviously we could rag on KU's facilities forever. But. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Sophie Dilly, yeah. by the way, who was on the call uh, with Emma Wiley. Um, I mean, I mean, it's just crazy to imagine having to be the visiting broadcasting booth uh, and a sold-out Allen Fieldhouse just completely make, I mean, just yelling to the point of what your ears feel like they're going to bleed. So uh, shout out to them. They yeah. had a really great call. Yeah, they did a really great job going into a hostile environment. <laughs> it's definitely uh, a good experience to have, I think. Uh, you know, you even be able to get through it. But um, the Jayhawks in this game, John, they were pretty hot. They, you know, they yeah. shot 50% from three in the first half. Um, I mean, on our end, you know, 10 turnovers in the first half never helps. Uh, we just looked rattled. I mean, I don't know really how to describe it. Every time we would, you know, KU would miss a shot, we'd get down the floor. It just seems like we would speed ourselves up and just get these silly shots when we're just trying to force stuff. I don't know if it was just you kind of – I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is a different place to play than most other places. We played in Hilton Coliseum. That's an amazing place to play, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a rivalry game in Lawrence, Kansas, after what happened in Manhattan – you know, storming the court, you know, Jalen Wilson getting postered. Um, I'm sure they were out for blood here. Um, I mean, we, I, let's just talk about the refs real quick. You know, there were some questionable calls early on in the game. Jerome Tang was not happy. He got teed up very early for it. Um, and the officiating for the rest of the game was pretty mediocre on both sides. I, so, you know, not really going to complain one way or the other. We shot more free throws and made more than KU. Yeah, I mean, and everybody point was pointing this out on social media about, like, just bantering all over what Jerome Tang had to say during post-game and all that. When he, when he was talking about the officiating, he was not fully describing, like, oh, these officials in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. They're not doing it like I, I was on Twitter uh, in, the, in the first half. That's when I just completely peaked on Twitter. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he was he he was right in terms of when the fouls were occurring. When K State already had K State was already in the bonus uh, in, the, in the bonus in the first ten minutes, while KU only had three. And on top of that, if, I mean, he didn't get the call on on one side of the floor, and he didn't get and, and he and he got the call going against uh, going against K State, uh, which I mean, I I can't blame him. I mean, the, the officiating was. It was brutal, man. I mean, a major theme of this game between both squads was just, well, I mean, the officials, but at the, at the same time, it was the physical nature of play. I mean, both teams combined with 49 fouls in the first game, including three Jayhawks who fouled out. Um, I mean, they combined for 47 fouls, and I believe, and I think I saw this from a KU fan on Twitter, 98, I mean, oh, geez, I can't think of it. Um, but it was like 96 overall fouls in, my, in, in the two meetings in, uh, this season. And uh, no, it's just, 
I don't know. I don't know whatever words is. I mean, because it's not just impacting K State and KU, but I mean, a lot of Big Twelve teams are having are having a rough outing with the officials lately. Yeah, I just I would just prefer to let them play. The Big Twelve's physical, but I would you know I'm not going to get as mad over a non call than like a ticky tack foul call because I mean there's ten minutes left in the second half and both teams are in the yeah. bonus and it's like oh boy. Like, where are we going to be here? This <laughs> this game's going to take forever, you know, because every foul call, somebody's going to the free throw line to shoot some free throws. Um, so it kind of just slowed the uh, the pace of the game down. And uh, overall, I mean, KU was pretty much from the jump, always keeping about like a 10 to 12-point yeah. um, lead. I think it could have been a lot worse. So I give a lot of credit to the team for staying in the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, KU would go on these big runs, especially, you know, on the road. It's so tough. When they're shooting that well, and we, you know, we'd call timeout, we'd get out there, you know, we'd get a few buckets. Marquise Duell would hit a nice, you know, step back three or something yeah. to keep us in the mix and keep us, you know, 10, 10 to twelve points, maybe get it down to single digits, and we're staying in the fight and be able to. If we were, we were just ru- one run away from making this into a real, real game that was close. You had a lot of momentum shifts, well, heavily t- t- for Kansas's sakes, but K State had a few little runs here and there in which they were popping it out. Uh, to the likes of Mar- of Noel, um, you also had some out to to Masood and Ke- and Keontae was able to drive in uh, for the most part as well. But I mean, K- KU was I mean they were just a more hungry team that on that night. I mean you got J- Jalen Wilson, he led all the scores in that one. You also had a balanced attack and bench production, which helped KU secure their victory. Um, I believe three yeah three starters had double digits. Uh, a double digit points, double figures. Why well, was saying double digits? <laughs> uh, including a double double for Kevin McCuller Jr. He's looked uh, a lot better lately compared to the, especially compared to the first meeting where he just looked completely stone cold. He couldn't do anything. Uh, Bobby Pettiford, I mean, he just came up with some big plays off the bench for six points. Dude, we gave Zach Clements. It, we let him make a shot. Fifty percent, fifty percent from three. Dude, there's no I, I, okay. Like I'll I, if it's anybody else that's that's starting for KU, like okay, I can I can take a shot from from Jalen Wilson, or I can take a shot from KJ Adams, stuff like that. But when we're getting to the point where KU has to bring out Zach freaking Clements end of a game to just to shoot a three on us, having to force uh, having to make us force a time, I just. It rubs me the wrong it's way. Tough. It it's tough. It rubs me the wrong way. It's dude. definitely tough. I mean, on on the Kevin McCuller point, I mean, he shot it terribly. He was two of ten from the field, but he made ten free throws, thirteen boards as well. So he that, I mean, he played a lot better than he did last time. You know, putting up a donut in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, Jalen Wilson had twenty points, but you know, given how he's performed, I think you would take that. You know, going into the game, if you knew Jalen Wilson would only score twenty points. Yeah, just only twenty points. Yeah, I mean, and I think the one thing we talked about in our preview of the KU game was what was Dewan Harris going to do after struggling the last few games to score the ball, and he showed up big time in yeah, this game. Yeah, he showed up big time. Eighteen point seven of twelve from the field. So really efficient. I mean, he was a big help for this team. He was all over Marquise yeah. throughout the entire game. He was. Yeah, I think it was really tough for Marquise in this game because I think you know I think we're a team that can pretty much switch one through or two through five. Yeah. But Marquise Noel, when we he, he gets put in pick and rolls and we're forced to switch, it really gets us out of rotation. We're having to move around a bunch and help Marquise mm-hmm. when you've got Ernest Uday who's you know got Marquise Noel in the paint. It's just like you know it's not even close when it comes to on-ball defense, like just a one-on-one. I mean, Marquise Noel is one of the best in the country. Yeah. 
but the one thing he can't control is his height, and unfortunately, I think KU exposed him pretty well in this game, get, trying to get him to switch off of pick and rolls. Um, he had a decent game, you know, 23 points, made a couple big threes to keep us in it, you know, but only four assists and five. I mean, it, it was really the free throws for, for Mark. Yeah, that gave him a lot of his points. I think one of the reasons looking at the stats, if you wanted to see, like, why we didn't win this game, besides our 10 first-half turnovers, is, I mean, only 10 assists in this game. I believe we average almost 18. We're seventh in the country in assists per game. And we're only getting, you know, we have more turnovers than assists. I think that's just a sign that we were just thrown off in this game. Yeah. We were speeding ourselves up too much, not, you know, taking the time to run our sets and get through the offense. And I think it paid, you know, it cost us uh, dearly in this game. You know, Keontae had a great game getting back into the stats a little bit after he picked up two fouls in the first, like, three minutes. But, you know, 22 points, 12 boards. Um, you know, when Naquan Tomlin and Dave Gasson weren't blowing layups, um, which was well, well, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> well, well, well. Now you just now you just threw the cat's me right, out of the bag. You, now you just threw me right into the trap right there, because every opportunity K State had that wasn't able to connect in the paint, either that or if it was coming off a turnover, KU was just going to go on a fast break, um, which really exploited our defense uh, tremendously. I mean, points off of turnovers, KU at twenty one, K State at twelve. I mean, you, you just got to get back way more quickly on defense. I think one of the things to point out, I mean, I mean, give all give Bruce Weber a lot of criticism you want, but he was able to get his defense set up at times, uh, regardless of regardless of a, of a turnover or or shot inside the paint. But there, it just doesn't look like as if there's a there's a lot more urgency from some of the other guys uh, not named Marquise Noel when it comes to sprinting back and trying to uh, prevent a bucket on the other end. Yeah, I don't know if it's an effort to get an offensive rebound. I don't know if our strategy is we send two to the glass and maybe KU knew that and you know because they did that in the last game they really yeah. pushed the pace hard and KU they're so good at passing the ball. Their it, chemistry it, it, is just they're so good at that. And you know they really. It was just kind uh, of like us. it was just kind of like watching the TCU game. They were just connecting on every pass, firing on all cylinders, and just attacking the rim. Yeah, so I mean, kind of overall to sum it up, I don't think we we just didn't play that well. Um, you got to give them credit for you know keeping it at least a somewhat close game. We're close to covering. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be great to be back at home in Bramlage Coliseum with the crowd. You know, on their side, unbeaten um, at home. Unbeaten at home. Yep. I mean, but it's you're gonna. They're gonna have to. You know, they had to kind of uh, move on from the game pretty quick because they got you know tenth ranked Texas coming into Manhattan, um, which is a good segue into our looking at the Big Twelve standings. We're halfway through conference play here. Each team has played halfway nine games. Through. Right now, Texas is all alone at the top at seven and two. But they've got four teams coming after them, John, mm-hmm. with KU, K-State, TCU, and Iowa State all at 6-3. and three. Iowa State coming off of a brutal loss to Texas Jeez, Tech, man. giving Texas Tech their first win in conference play this what season. What was it, like a 20-point lead blown? Or? Yeah, I think they led by 17 Jeez. at halftime. Yeah, it's just tough. And on top of that, I mean, there was nobody there in Lubbock, so it was not like Texas Tech had the bigger home home atmosphere compared to what we've seen from from them in the past, but I mean it's it's I mean pretty much the top the top six teams are on their own. You got you also got Baylor still kind of hanging in there. They're at five and four in the conference. Uh, but really this weekend, uh, you have you really have the top four teams. Uh, uh, Sans TCU, um, 
playing in, uh, playing this weekend with Texas coming to Manhattan, and then you, have, you also have KU going to Ames to take on Iowa State. And I mean, well, not just that. You also got Texas, I believe, right after the right after the game tomorrow. They're heading over to Lawrence to play the Jayhawks on Monday as well. So I mean, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, shifting, if you want to call it that way. It's just going to be a l- lot of uh, seismic changes that will likely occur in the Big Twelve. Standings. Yeah, this this could be the stretch that decides who comes away with a Big Twelve regular season championship. Um, even though Iowa State's coming off of back-to-back losses with Missouri and Texas Tech. Um, and and the Jazz Coons, one of their top players that they didn't have before uh, during conference play, he's likely to come back as okay. well. So definitely a weapon Iowa State could certainly Yeah, I mean, well. considering they're coming back to Hilton Coliseum and how well they've played there, uh, I think they're just a way better team than they are on the road. Um, you'd think they have a decent shot, giving KU a run for their money. Going through the other games, on Saturday's slate, noon on CBS, Texas Tech coming to Waco to play number 11 Baylor. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for Texas Tech if they want to try and get their second win in conference play. 15th ranked TCU um, taking on Oklahoma State. So they're not getting the cream of the crop in the Big 12, but obviously Oklahoma State um, still a really good team sitting at 4 and 5 in conference play and, you know, kind of on that edge of uh, the NCAA tournament, so they'll be looking for a good resume builder. Oklahoma's playing West Virginia, you know, two teams trying to fight for the, uh, you know, an NCAA tournament spot. Oklahoma obviously got that big win against Bama, and they'll be looking to continue to build with a win against West Virginia. Then obviously Texas K-State, we'll do a whole segment on that later. Uh, let's cover some bracketology let's real quick, that. John. We're, let's, we're, we're one we're one month away from March. One month away from March. What a great month um, it is. 30, uh, 30 days away from March. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so let's talk where uh, different bracketologists have K-State. Let's start with Jerry Palm from CBS. He's got K-State as a two-seed in the West region. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find, like, the full bracket, so I don't know exactly. I believe— I can take a look. Okay. Um, I know the the two seed in the West region would be in Sacramento, which is I don't know something. The, I don't I don't really have a comment on the, Sacramento, but the West region uh, would be in Las Vegas. In like, Las Vegas, yeah. oh, that's where isn't that where the Sweet Sa- Sixteen and Elite Eight are though? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. For K State as a two seed, it looks as if they're going to be playing in Columbus. Columbus, from what okay. Jerry Palm has, they'd be playing Youngstown State, so okay. a little bit of a home court advantage for the Penguins. That's when you have a mascot. Okay. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, then you have Providence and Wisconsin as the okay. seven and, seven and ten matchup. But Providence is a really good team, by the yeah. way. They, I mean, they've hanging in there with Xavier and have won the past few games as well. Yeah. So let's move on to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. He's got K State as a three seed in the Midwest region. Can we please, please be put in the Midwest region? Please, please. The Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight are in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center this year. Can you imagine, you know, first year making the tournament, you know, with first year head coach Jerome Tank, first time, you know, since uh, twenty eight or since twenty nineteen making the NCAA tournament with, you know, the big alumni base that's in Kansas City, that would be an absolutely rocking crowd. That'd be awesome. Um, how us playing Southern Illinois, the Salukis. The Salukis. Salukis. Yeah. If we won, we'd either play the long nosed dogs. <laughs> we'd play either Kentucky, West Virginia, or St. Mary's. Which is weird because Typically, you wouldn't have a conference playing each I know. other in the second round. So. Yeah, Kentucky and West Virginia would be playing each other in the play-in game, which is funny because St. Mary's would be the sixth seed in, oh, in that geez. matchup with Kentucky and West Virginia. Poor St. Mary's, man. <laughs> yeah, in that bracket. Just as a side note, in our bracket, Illinois is the five seed in our region. 
but we wouldn't play them because, I mean, you think a Brad Underwood team's going to make the Sweet 16? I mean, come on. Come on, Come on, no way. Uh, Bama would also be the one seed in that region. So, I mean, being in the Midwest would just be – I just really hope we can make the Midwest. I deeply hope so, but at the same time, they just always seem to just put KU in there for whatever reason because, I mean, they just want to – it's all about – for the most part, in terms of like the top sixteen seeds, it's filling up uh, your the the ticket allowment and yeah. KU and Kansas City just like come and go hand in hand. So. Yeah, I remember when the tournament was in St. Louis in twenty fourteen. That was the year Wichita State went thirty four and zero. I remember I, I remember I went to St. Louis with my grandparents. My grandpa went to Wichita State, so it was cool to watch that. I remember watching. Anyway, this is a side story. Watching Wichita State Kentucky. That was when Kentucky beat Wichita State. That was a really. I was so mad. Oh my gosh! Anyway, Man, sorry. That imagine was a bit- being a Shockers fan, dude. So, uh, listen, I'm like thirty. I'm like twenty minutes from Wichita. My yeah, grandpa had season tickets. I'm not a bandwagoner. I was at their NIT games in like 2011, so I'm I was dude, not a bandwagoner. I, I saw some of those videos in the <laughs> NIT back in the day. I think Wichita State like hosted Nebraska one year. And uh, I think Ellis uh, of Wichita State, I think his last name is Ellis, he made a three and the roundhouse just exploded. By the ways, by the ways, just a little, little off the subject, TBT is coming back purple yeah. and white. They're going back to the roundhouse most expectantly, hoping for another big crowd as well. Yeah, that would be really That's going to be exciting. But uh, back to the bracketology, man. I mean, dude, I just love to see. I, I mean, if we see K-State in there in Kansas City, I mean, there's. I mean, besides Illinois, I mean, there's not really another home home court advantage that you're seeing because Alabama's yeah. the one seed, Baylor's the four seed, UCLA's the two seed. So, uh, I mean, maybe if Creighton beats UCLA in the second round, then they can get some yep. Jays down in Omaha. But it's a small school as well. Yeah, so I'm not counting on it. All right, so one more to look at: Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. He also has KC's as a three seed, but in the South region, uh, we would either play if we were to win. Um, I don't. I didn't put down who our the 14th seed was that we were playing, uh, but we would play the winner of Duke and Memphis, um, which would be an interesting matchup. I mean, it's funny, you know, in the bracketology, we're looking at either playing. We could play Kentucky or Duke, which mm-hmm. it'd be, you know be the favorites in this game, which is just crazy. The state college basketball is in right now. TCU is the five seed in that region, hypothetically. Purdue That's would be a, the one seed, which would be very scary because I don't think we do not. We, I mean, who does have an answer for Zach Eady? But I think we would get just pummeled by oh Zach Eady in the rebounding department. TCU has a really difficult round one matchup. You want to talk about one of the best men majors, not in the Power Six. College of Charleston is no slack at mm. all. I mean, they, I believe they finished non-conference play undefeated. Um, they've, they've taken some losses in the CAA lately, but they're looking pretty good as well. Yeah, and then, I mean, before we move on to women's basketball, let's talk real quick about there's a meeting. Um, I think you have more information on this, John, but there was oh, a meeting yeah. about Gonzaga. The, the, the rumors about Gonzaga possibly joining the Big 12 have kind of started to heat up again. Um, there was a big meeting at an airport or something with Big 12 yeah, executives? D- DFW okay. uh, at the Grand Hyatt Hotel. All the Big 12 presidents and the flight directors. Um, all met up and kind of discussed about a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of uh, agendas that they needed. A, a, I mean, wow. Uh, topics on their agenda. And one of them is uh, Gonzaga. The other one was uh, Oklahoma and Texas with the early XFE. But Gonzaga, I mean, they, they, we, we've heard back in the fall that we had 
uh, Brett Yormark talking to Vera Fleck, director Chris Standing for uh, during one of her exhibition games down there and seeing if Gonzaga was able to make it work. And apparently they had a presentation on uh, on Gonzaga to the Big 12, but they didn't uh, di- di- bleh, discuss uh, discuss about the financial impact as well. So just some of the stuff to like there, but... Uh, you know Gonzaga. I mean, we we've been seeing it throughout the past few past few week, uh, months. I mean, they spent 43 years being the big fish in a little pond. They're looking to bring, they're looking to go somewhere else, and possibly the Big 12. You have a lot of outside factors as well that's going to come into play because I mean they're just a basketball school. The geography is just going to be a heck of a mess. Yeah, Spokane, Orlando, like goodness gracious. Basketball also only brings in 20 percent of the about 20% of a media rights deal as well. So it's it's also why no Power 5 conference has a basketball-only member besides Notre Dame and the ACC. But Gonzaga is a, a national power. And if we just look at the upside of Gonzaga, if Mark Few continues to remain in Spokane and if, in Big 12 country, um, I mean, this Big 12 conference, what, like what would be? What, there, there's no – it'd be undisputed. It'd just be undisputed. Yeah. Be best – conference in college basketball yeah i wouldn't even be close when you consider what houston's gonna bring when they join in the basketball 2023 season mm-hmm. and i mean uh, i mean it we're all it's just we're already the best conference and we're adding all this new stuff and then there's possibility of adding another new member with gonzaga but there's an, a lot of variables at play we'll follow the story yeah um as it develops let's touch on women's basketball real that. quick yeah um you know they they really needed this win here against number twelve Iowa State. They won seventy eight seventy seven. It was great for the K State women getting a win on National Girls and Women in Sports Day. Um, a lot of the local middle school and high school girls basketball teams were there in a really good student section at Brownwood Coliseum. Yeah, a lot of them from Western Kansas. Run to see, I believe Emily Ryan. Uh, she's she's oh, a yeah. Kansas native. And- I think she's from Ellsworth. Uh, Ellsworth, maybe think- either Ellsworth or Great Bend. It's okay. one of the two locations, but. Um, you had a you had a lot of uh, there was a few few more Iowa State fans than expected mainly because of her support as well. But um, I mean it was a it was a great crowd, especially from the student section. They came in some good numbers as well. Um, but man, you want to talk about a big big time win? Second time this season, K State beat a top fifteen team from the state of Iowa. <laughs> Iowa with Caitlin Lucart, yep. Iowa State with Ashley Jones, Cats. No, it, it's it's like they're unmatched in the octagon, dooming its Iowa teams. Yeah, and I mean it was ca- it was kept off by a very great performance from Gabby Gregory, kind of getting back into form with her twenty-seven points, nine of fourteen from the field. Um, this was a back and forth game the entire time. Iowa State gets up to a pretty big lead in the second quarter, but we go on a big run to keep it at a four-point game at halftime, and then we slowly kind of able to keep, kind of keep our little bit of a lead. And then we just kind of keep it all the way until the end. I mean, mm-hmm. Iowa State hits a last-second three, you know, when they're down four to make it a, finish a one-point game. Yeah. But we had this sealed up for a while, and it was really great to just get a big win. You know, they're now at 14-9. and nine. They're 3-7 and seven in conference play. I haven't looked at the bracketology, John, but I think it Pro- – it's probably not there yet. Yeah. I mean, they've taken a few losses already in conference play. Get, I mean, getting, getting the win over Iowa State – I mean, that, that should help in terms of a momentum. I mean, you get another big win, but at the same time, you got to win more of these games yeah. and have more of a fluid offense like what we saw against Iowa State compared to what we've seen before the Iowa State game as well. 
And I think really if if the cats are able to connect connect on all those type on all those cylinders, I think K State's able to possibly make a big run and maybe contend put some put themselves in uh, some tournament contention like the bubble watch uh, in uh, this March. Yeah, I mean it's just tough, John, because some of these games, I mean, you just get absolutely trounced by Texas. You lose by double digits. You know, to uh, Iowa State lost on the road. To, lost at home to Texas Tech. That was a big one. Yeah, you lose by 20 to Texas Tech at home. You just got to – I think you just have to be more competitive in these games, even just for the eye test. But you've got a chance to, you know, get your win back against Texas Tech on the road. You're playing Baylor, who's always a tough team. Um, you know, at TCU should be a win, um, given, you know, TCU's record. It's not great in conference play. Then you got the Sunflower Showdown. Um, at home, so you've got a chance to get some wins. You're 14 and nine right now. I mean, if you can finish with a at least a decent winning record in those final few games, you've maybe got a shot at the tournament, or maybe even just a high seed in the NIT. But just kind of putting it back into this game, it's a really great win, a good momentum builder, hopefully for them going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. Well, uh, we've got about eight minutes left on the Shake of Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. So when we come back, we will preview the Texas game tomorrow on Saturday at 3 p.m. in Bramlage Coliseum. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove here to preview the Chisholm Trail rivalry. Yes, that's right. It is a rivalry. <laughs> it's a I rivalry. Will, I will put a link on it right after this show <laughs> and prove it to all you that this is one of the most entertaining rivalries in K-State sports history. I mean, the Sunflower Showdown, yeah, Farmageddon, cool, that's football, that's fantastic. This is the freaking Chisholm Trail rivalry you got longhorns coming up from austin all the way up to abilene kansas uh for whatever reason i don't know <laughs> i just i just recall the chisholm trail part of it it just sounds so fitting uh, on my end but we got a big one blake we We're, got a big one i mean considering we've beaten texas on their home floor the last two seasons bramwich I think south you could definitely consider this a rivalry it's again called bramwich south <laughs> bramwich south a top 10 matchup tomorrow 3 p.m. ESPN2, also being broadcasted on Wildcat 91.9, of course. Um, the Longhorns bounced back after their double-digit loss to Tennessee with a close win against Baylor to break the Bears' five-game winning streak in conference play. Um, K-State, of course, coming off a double-digit loss to KU on the road. KU, or, excuse me, K-State has yet to lose back-to-back games this season. Longhorns, like we talked about early on in the show, sit atop the Big 12 right now at 7-2, but four teams are behind them, including K-State, at six and three, like you said, John, cats are unbeaten at home this season, mm-hmm. yet to lose in Bramlage Coliseum. The last time these two met at the Moody Center, K State put on an absolute shooting clinic, putting up 116 points, breaking a bunch yep. of records. Um, I'm sure the Longhorns will be looking to actually play defense in this matchup here in Bramlage. No, I think why this is such a good matchup for K-State, I mean, you look at Texas' roster, nobody on their team is over 6'9", and you considered our rebounding struggles. Um, both these teams aren't great in rebounding. They're in the yeah. mid-100s. But Texas is actually worse in rebounds per game than K-State is. So I think considering you know where we struggle at is also where Texas struggles at, 
Um, and it's interesting where our strength at is also where Texas's strength at. You know, I mentioned earlier we're seventh in the country in assists per game. Um, Texas isn't that far behind us, and like you know, seventeenth in the country in assists per game. They pass the ball really well. You know, with Marcus Carr yeah. uh, running their offense, he's their leading scorer. So I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Got to defend your home court in the Big Twelve, John, and we've done it so far. Hopefully, we can do it on Saturday. Yeah, and just really coming off of the KU game, uh, not the schedule really favors you tremendously. Uh, you got, I mean, you got all the top top six teams on the road. That that that's out of the way, and now you get some of those teams back at home. In which this in which this Saturday it's going to be Texas. Um, one of one of it, but you're you're right. This matchup does favor K State, uh, especially on the re- Well, I mean, especially on the rebounding spectrum. When you're looking at Texas's top uh, rebounding leader, and that's Timmy Allen. He's only averaging 5.2 per game. Meanwhile, you're looking at some of the other players, uh, in particular Keontae Johnson. He's coming away with seven re- uh, with, with an average of eight rebounds. Um, on top of that, you have Marquise Noel starting to do- uh, come inside the paint more often and uh, get some additional rebounds. Uh, po- hopefully we can get some some more of that with uh, David Ngasson and, and um, possibly Naquan Tomlin, although I don't count on it so much. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really just a a very similar matchup. It's it's a, like a mono a mono type of type. It's just all around. It just feels like it's so similar, and it's really one that K State can win, especially if it can put up the same offensive output, which I don't think is possible. <laughs> but if they're able to do just like kind of replicate the same the same type of performance, maybe maybe not yeah as much offensively. But now possibly uh, limit Texas to even less, especially if you're able to hold uh, Marcus Carr to, to less as well. So. Yeah, if you can hold Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen as well as uh, Tyrese Hunter, they're you know they're kind of big three, yeah. um, kind of be able to contain them. That will be a big deal. So I wish we had more time, John, but we really don't. Cats are um, gonna win, by the way. Yeah, so. the Cats are obviously gonna win. We don't need to do score predictions. It's ninety to zero, obviously. So um, that's going to do it for Way all of Way to foreshadow the ending right there. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give it away for everybody. But, you know, <laughs> if, it's just kind of a if you're in the know type thing. So uh, thank you so much for listening to the Shake and Blake show here on Wildcat 91.9. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shake and Blake 75. Leave a review on the podcast, just Shake and Blake, wherever you can find it. We will be back Monday to recap the Texas game and all things K-State sports. And Cats by 90. Cats by 90.